Hello, my friend. This is Clyde. We have to talk about it. Let's go into the upper room, the night that Jesus was going to experience betrayal. I'm not going to review everything that happened, but I want us to hear Jesus talk about a tough issue. The atmosphere was not a jolly one. They had gathered for a meal as part of the Passover festival, and they were blessed to find this place, the upper room. We don't know anything about who prepared the meal, but we know they followed Jewish tradition. The other writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they spoke about the next thing that happened, communion. John instead spoke about an unusual experience that happened, Jesus washing the feet of the twelve disciples. And afterwards, he explained to them that this is something he wanted them to do going forward. The washing of each other's feet was more than mere washing each other's feet. It is an experience where you see yourself as a servant to the other believer. The next thing that Jesus said was important, but somehow I think nobody realized the deeper meaning. In John 13 verse 18, he says, I'm not referring to all of you. I know those who I have chosen. But this is to fulfill this passage of scripture. He who shared my bread has turned against me. Jesus brought something to the table that was uncomfortable, but apparently they missed it. This was the setup for Judas to do his thing. Jesus then told them that the one of them who was going to betray him was right there. Who? they asked. Jesus answered, It is the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. As soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out, and it was night. Friends, Jesus did not choose Judas. Judas was on an assignment. But let's move on. Now there, now the other 11 disciples in the room experienced a shift in the atmosphere. They did not talk about Judas leaving and why. But Jesus had cleaned the room. Jesus had got rid of someone who was not really for him. And now he was free to speak about something important. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You've heard this before in sermons, at Bible study, in small conversations, and you are hearing it again today. Why? Because some of us have not been obeying this commandment. Jesus made three points. One, love one another. Within the body of Christ, you must love each other. You don't get to pick and choose who you love. Love your brother and your sister. Number two. Love one another the way Jesus loves us. Jesus was their leader for three plus years. You've seen how he loved them. That is the model. When in doubt, go back and watch the videos of how Jesus treated his disciples those three and a half years. Number three, 
people will see the love and know that you are a child of God. They will. They will recognize that you guys are different in the way you love each other. It's a clear message to the world that Christians genuinely love each other. What an occasion to drop this message among them. Whoa. With all that went on that night, Jesus simply raised an important matter, the matter of love among Christians. In Jesus' mind, we have to talk about it. He had their attention, and what better time than now? What better time to talk about it with you than today? Have you loved other Christians like Jesus said we should? I'm sure you don't have to think twice about it. Well, let us take it a little further. How should we love one another? 1 Corinthians 13 is so popular, but it is an expansion of what Jesus said that night. Here, Paul is talking about ministry in the church, using our spiritual gifts appropriately. And out of nowhere, just like Jesus did in the upper room, Paul brings up this business of love. And here's how he said we should do it. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. That's hard talk when Jesus raised it that night. And later, it is still a hard subject to deal with. It is not optional, my friend. It is not something you can push under the rug. It is important. Jesus did not single out the famous three, Peter, James, and John, and spoke to them about love. Paul is not speaking only to church leaders. It is an everybody matter. Did you notice that Jesus said that this was a new commandment? We are expected to obey this commandment that goes into effect immediately. Well, Paul had something to say before and after. Just before we get to the love chapter, Paul ends the previous chapter on this note. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? Now, eagerly desire the greater gifts, and yet I will show you the most excellent way. And he jumped right into our business. If you think this conversation about love is easy talk, Jesus lets us know that this is a testimony to the world of who you are. If you think Paul was joking when he wrote about how we should love, think again. And then he ends it. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. The world is watching us, friends. They see our faith. They see our hope. But the one that speaks loudest is when they see our love.